Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Hmm. It's good I added extra stevia today because I wasn't quite getting that sweet to tickle. Ah, that's good. What would we do without sugar, cream, and caffeine? Today is, are you going to say it with me? It's Friday. Yay. Um, August 20th, two days from my birthday, which I know is critical for your calendars. I hope you all, um, were able to get your shopping done. <laughs> that is a joke, by the way. Although I am absolutely that person in your life who will remind you that my birthday is coming just so that you don't run any risk of um, the grave sin of forgetting. Uh, I'm never the one who like lets everyone forget their birthday and then silently sulks about it. Uh, with no further ado because I've been forgetting all week and so I do not forget yet another time. I have to give a uh, release day shout out to Leslie Penelope, my lovely friend who writes as El Penelope uh, for Requiem of Silence, book four and her Earth Singer Chronicles. Uh, it actually came out on Tuesday, but I just didn't know that. <laughs> like, yeah, didn't remember the date or anything. And then I was going to say, I didn't podcast on Wednesday and I was going to say something yesterday, but I left my notes inside and I forgot. So here it is today. Sorry, Leslie. Um, but you know, it's good to have that tail, right? You know, to have those sales continue throughout the week. So you all could go by Requiem of Silence. Um, wonderful fantasy with some romance in it and um, lots of characters of color. Uh, Leslie is a fabulous black woman uh, graduate of Howard University and her brother is an actor and she's like model gorgeous and super smart and um, I don't know but I like her anyway <laughs> even though I complained that her author photo she looks like a freaking model. So this is the conclusion of her series uh, also with St. Martin's like mine. And she has an amazing uh, book that she's been working on that she recently sold, I think, to Orbit. That's um, like a 1920s alternate history um, gangster heist, I think, in like a Kansas City. I'm not sure if it's Kansas City or Oklahoma, but kind of built around the, the Black Wall Street stuff. Um, I may have gotten a lot of those details wrong, but that's my uh, my understanding of it. So I, I think it's going to be amazing. So uh, yeah, all good things to you, Leslie. Ah, so let's see. I do have things to talk about today. I'm running late yet again. Uh, the good news is, is I have gotten 12,000 words this week so far on Dragon's Daughter did the cover reveal. I put the cover on yesterday's podcast. I'll put Leslie's cover on today's so you guys can see it because it really is a cool cover. Um, yeah, so that's been good. I needed to get those words this week. I'm hoping to get 3k more today. Um, 
and I thought I would talk a little bit about how I went from the last couple of weeks of having not great word counts to getting back on track. Um, some of it could be that I got through a sticky part of the book and and that's just always going to be there that there's always going to be this sticky part of the book. Um, I forgot to silence my phone and I had it out here for Leslie. It's all Leslie's fault. Oh, come on. Sometimes it just doesn't want the biometric recognition doesn't want to work and it's because um, Verizon wants me to get a new phone. I feel quite certain. Oh, it's Dorinda. Dorinda's running late. She should be in her chair by 915 uh, but she's telling me to start without her. Okay. Well, we'll give her a little bit of um, <laughs> must be one of those days. Okay. Here we silenced it. Uh, I was having a discussion in the Faro discord and it's just amazing to me that um, that this needs repeating and I guess it's it's one of the great lessons to me and I know I've mentioned it on here that I have to remember that just because I've said something many times before doesn't mean that you have heard it before. So um, for those of you who do notice when I repeat that's why um, although it could also be because I just like totally um, don't remember that I said before which which is also legit right. But one of the gals was saying that she feels like that she just has to be a discovery writer and that she doesn't um that doesn't work for her to try to change her process and and I said no I'm absolutely a discovery writer I I am incapable of pre-plotting a book I'm incapable of figuring out what the story is before I write it and I no longer worry about it and the weirdest thing is is that the people who are what they call pantsers or gardeners or write for discovery authors or misters and I can define all of those. I can but will I? Who knows. Let me finish this thought um, that they receive a lot of pressure from the people who do who prefer to outline the book ahead of time and preplot. and you guys have heard me rant about this no doubt before I even taught a class because it really annoys me that there are so many classes that are like plotting for pantsers because the plotting people think that they need to teach the pantsers how to plot and even the term pantser which I never heard until I went to my first RWA convention and a girl asked me if I was a plotter or a pantser and I'm like I don't know what you mean. And, and she kind of smirked and she said well you must be a pantser then which is accurate but also insulting because pantser comes from fly by the seat of your pants <clears throat> and I feel like it's a term coined by the people who are such control freaks who have to have such a tight grip on the story that the idea of not writing that way to them is like you're flying by the seat of your pants. You're just out there in the wind writing whatever. This is not the case my friends. This is not how it works. So I am um, I try to be kind and polite when people use the word pantser because it is a commonly used term but it is not one that I claim as my own and it's one that I find actually um, insulting condescending derogatory all of these things. Um, write for discovery works because I discover the story as I write it. 
mister. Um, that one works for me too. People talk about that as you write, you can only see as much of the story as the headlights of your vehicle illuminate. So you have to drive down the story road to discover it. Um, and you can see a little ways ahead, but you, you can't see all the way to the end. Uh, George R. R. Martin uses Gardner. Uh, he uses that as, and I'm not sure if he coined it or if he got it from someone else, but he is a gardener and he uses it as opposed to being an architect. An architect is someone who needs to draw out precise blueprints before they begin. A gardener is someone who scatters the seeds in the soil and tends and nurtures them and lets them grow. And the architects will make snide remarks about the gardeners because I get, I, I do feel like they don't mean to be insulting just like the, and the plotters, I always change it to pre plotter because if you are a right for discovery writer, a mister or a gardener, it's not that we don't plot. We plot our books, you guys, the, there, there are plots. Um, we just don't pre plot. And I feel like that's an important distinction. Like, am I crushing my plant a little bit here? There. Sorry if that was loud. Um, yeah. So I feel like they're not deliberately trying to be insulting. They're not trying to be unkind, but it reflects their deep discomfort with not having a detailed plan. But the thing is, is, you know, like working so closely with Dorinda, love you, Dorinda really do. She spends so much time on her outline, but then she spends all of this time reworking also. And one thing that the pre plotters will often snidely say is, yeah, but you guys, you do this gardening, but then you end up with this ramshackle wild thing that you then have to completely rework. And so I know pretty plenty of pre plotters who spend a lot of time and effort reworking. So there's that. Um, also I don't necessarily spend a lot of time reworking because I've, I'm a good gardener. I've, you guys can see my garden, look at my garden. And you will notice that my garden is a little chaotic. It is not laid out in neat beds. Now some gardeners do work that way. And so that's where you start getting this spectrum. You get a blend of people who are architects and gardeners. There are amazing gardens, right? That are full of topiary and hedge mazes and that are carefully constructed so that something is in bloom the entire season. Uh, there can be incredibly detailed planning that goes into growing a garden, or you can be like me and go more like a cottage garden style, which I love. I, I love the, the jumble, but my stories aren't a jumble. I at least have th that much confidence at this point in my career to confidently say that my stories are not a jumble. I know that they are not. Um, but it's it, a lot of it's being an intuitive writer and knowing what, what you need to put into a story. Um, the story spins out for us and you know, I, I do not do heavy reworking. Okay. I noticed yesterday that I like spent the whole time leaning to the side to avoid the sun. So I'm going to move and I even successfully paused this time. Oh, but I left my coffee behind. Can't have that. So, um, 
what all was I saying? Oh, how did I get back to, to writing the uh, um, 3,000 words per day uh, when I had been really having a hard time? So some of it is the book is going to be sticky sometimes. That happens whether you are a gardener or a pre-plotter. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. But one thing that I've noticed is that I totally tend to backslide, especially if things are going well. And I start feeling like I can um, do things like look at email in the morning. You know, and why? Look at social media in the morning. Why? I don't need to. And I've talked about this many times before, but it bears, obviously, <laughs> bears repeating that, um, yeah, I need to not look at stuff before I write. And if I am really good about keeping my brain fresh before I write, I know not everybody has the luxury of writing in the morning, but it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, I was also, Dorinda sent me this article uh, about how a lot of studies have shown that we are capable of about three or four hours of intense mental work per day, which absolutely fits in with my own findings. And I was like, look, I figured this out on my own. And she said, because you are a genius. And I was like, yes, I am. Oh, I've got my notes. I'm not such a genius that I can't pin down my, uh, my notes. It's a little breezy this morning. So, uh, genius or not. Anyway, when I first became a full-time writer, I thought I'd be able to write a lot more. And there are writers who say, you know, like Nora Roberts says she writes eight hours a day. And when people question her on it, she really pushes back and she's like, no, I sit at my desk and I write for eight hours a day. Now I work, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. Generally, um, I am at my desk. Well, it depends on what you count. Do you count this podcast? You know, that I'm, you know, usually starting by seven thirty or eight thirty <laughs> lately. Um, you know, and I go till five or six, but actual writing, actual writing, I can do about three hours worth and then I'm tapped out. I can do other things, but I can't write. So one of the things I've been doing last week, cause I felt like, well, cause it felt like I was draining down the well too much. Uh, and that was, that's partly when the words come very, very slowly like that. Uh, and you just feel empty and tired. That's a sign that you've drained the well that you're burning it out. It doesn't make sense to burn out a well when it's water, whatever metaphor works for you. So <laughs> sometimes I just amuse myself. Sorry, you guys. Uh, so I decided, okay, one of the things I'd been doing was I'd been working so hard to get that three K per day that I was going into extra innings as it were sports metaphor. You guys know I'm terrible at sports metaphors, but that one actually worked. Um, and so I decided, well, this week I was going to do, actually I started last week, last week that I was going to keep it to three hours, three, one hour writing sessions and, and call it good. And so I've been doing that this week too. And I'm actually been getting the 3000 words per day. So that plus being really diligent about not looking at any email until I'm done with word count. You can train people in your life to know that. Um, 
Mary Robinette Kowal and I were talking about that just recently and she decided that she was going to put it in her signature that she only checks email on certain times and days and that I think that's a great alternative too. Um, you can do this even if you work for an office you guys uh, that because you know the efficiency people recommend it and uh, my husband David tells a story about when they did like that um, you know efficiency training with uh, it was was Wyoming Game and Fish <laughs> one of the fisheries biologists decided that he would check email only on Friday afternoons and he would go his entire week without looking at his email and he would only check it on Friday afternoons and David's like and it drove everybody batshit crazy because he wouldn't reply until until Friday afternoon but they also couldn't really castigate him for it because it made him more efficient at his job and it was came directly from this training and there's a lot of information out there about how um, responding to emails really runs our lives and how it's accelerated things. So if you put boundaries on your email whether with a signature or just train the people in your life to know that that um, you're going to only look at email um, after a certain point in the day and they are not going to get a reply from you. Um, you you do not owe people an instantaneous answer. If they feel like they need an instantaneous answer from you then they need to be retrained because unless it is literally your job to reply to emails as fast as possible which I'll admit it could be your job because like maybe you're running email replies for customer service or something but unless that is literally your job your job is probably something else. Your job is probably creating something or crunching numbers or you know there's all kinds of jobs out there right bagging groceries you don't need to be checking your email <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. So um, one thing I did was I've gotten to the point where I've only one email address on my phone and it's only from people I really want to hear one I'm hear from I'm considering taking it off entirely. I'm I might but for now I've moved it to a back screen and I try to look at email only on my computer. Um, you know if people need to reach me faster than that there are other ways to reach me right and I was commenting with someone on Instagram the other day well after I had my word count done but you know we were talking about how small phones used to be. She was using her old phone holster for um, a hand sanitizer spray and it's like you know our phones used to be tiny those first well the first cell phones were like shoe boxes but then they they were tiny and now they've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger because they're like these you know little mini tablet computers you know our tricorders that we carry around our necks and you know I would love to have a phone that only does texts and phone calls again because why do I need to be constantly connected and constantly doing things except maybe I need to occasionally Google true facts during arguments at dinner. This this is a key purpose. And finally almost unrelated but uh, Grace Draven listened to my podcast yesterday and she wanted me to be sure to tell you all that yes the other typewriter keyboard did die but that I forgot and I think I told her I think I blocked it out because I was traumatized but that she did 
get a new gaming keyboard for her computer that she does not use for gaming. It's for writing on her computer, but that it has a deep stroke and the loudest clacking option. That is a direct quote, people. And she says that I knew that because I bitched at her for clacking on it when we were talking not long ago. But again, I think I blocked it out. But there you are. Such are the depths of her commitment to um, the deep stroke. Her words, not mine. I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you will find more podcasts that you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all. Oh, not for a while because I am going on birthday vacation. So I'll talk to you all probably next Thursday. Hope you don't miss me too much. Have a wonderful week. Uh, Try out some of these productivity things if you can. And let me know how it goes. You all take care. Bye-bye.